0: Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, founding owner of Property Apprentice. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast and today's subject I'm going to be talking about numbers that you need to know and understand as a property investor. So obviously I haven't got time to go through all of the number crunching that's required as an investor but this will give you a pretty good head start especially if you're new to the game. All right, so as a disclaimer, just before I start, same as always, uh, I am a registered financial advisor, so are all the other coaches at Property Apprentice, but please don't take anything from today's presentation as being individual financial advice, um, because obviously I don't know anything about your individual situation, so this is just general information in nature, and if you want individual help, then by all means get in touch with us, That's, that's what we do. All right, so some of the things that I'm going to talk about today, I'll talk about LVRs or loan to value ratios, and I'll talk about gross yields, net yields, pre-tax cash flow, and a few other important metrics as well, things like market value, market rent, equity in the deal, and return on deposit as well. So borrowing capacity is another thing that you've got to be aware of when it comes to being a property investor. So I'll cover off quite a bit of Things in today's subject. One of the most important things to work out before you even start looking for a property, though, you need to work out what it is that you want to achieve from property investing. So set some long term goals, all that sort of stuff. All right, now if you're just listening to this podcast, You might want to go and check out the video on YouTube. Google us uh, to find where the video is stored because I've got some slides that are running in the background and um, you'll be able to see the calculations that I'm using maybe a bit more clearly than just listening to the description. So we'll start talking about loan to value ratios or the LVR, that's what it's commonly called. The reserve bank restrictions that were previously in place before COVID, uh, home buyers were required to have to fund a 20% deposit, so they could borrow 80% as a general rule. And as a general rule, investors had to have a 30% deposit, so they could only get lending for 70%. Some types of investment products do need a higher deposit amount, though, so just bear that in mind. But as the majority... Um, investors needed a 30% deposit, home buyers needed 20%. The restrictions have been lifted from the Reserve Bank until at least the 1st of March 2021. At the moment, we've got a window of opportunity where you don't need as much deposit as you did previously. Now, the way that the market's going at the moment, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Reserve Bank reimposes the the restrictions on the market in March 2021. So we have got this window of opportunity where you could leverage off equity that you've got, because you don't have to have cash to put down as the deposit. You can leverage equity in another property that you've got, especially if you're looking at investing in property. To buy a home most people would have some cash funds saved and they might be using KiwiSaver as well as potentially an equity gift from the bank of mum and dad for example. So when it comes to buying a property to work out your total purchase capacity based on your deposit what you need to do is work out how much deposit you've got available and then divide that by your required deposit okay to give you that total purchase capacity based on deposit. So what I mean by that for example example, if you've got $100,000 available, so that's either cash or a combination of cash, KiwiSaver and an equity gift, for example, if you're looking at buying a home and you're getting 80% lending, you'd take your 100 grand divided by 20% and that means that you can purchase a property up to the value of $500,000 as long as your provable income is high enough to support $400,000 Four hundred thousand dollars worth of a mortgage because you're putting a hundred grand in, so five hundred grand purchase price less your one hundred k deposit uh, means that you'd have to have enough proofable income to support that four hundred thousand mortgage. Now, when you're working out available equity in a property that you already own, you'd need to get a new registered valuation and then multiply it by your LVR, the loan to value ratio deduct your existing mortgage, so take your existing mortgage off that registered valuation multiplied by the percentage, and then that tells you what your available equity is. So to explain that a bit more clearly, let's say you've got a home with a registered valuation of 700,000, which is about the average nationwide in New Zealand at the moment. So if it was a home you could easily finance up to 80% of the registered valuation as long as your income's high enough to support up to 80% so 700 grand multiplied by 80% that means that the bank as long as your income's high enough to support that uh, extra amount of debt the bank would be prepared to lend to you up to 560,000 secured against that house that's worth 700 so if you had a $500,000 mortgage then you'd have your 560 which is 80% of registered valuation take off the $500,000 that you've already borrowed against that property which is 500k so 560 minus 500 means that you'd have $60,000 of available equity that you could use to help fund the deposit on a rental purchase for example okay so some of you might be thinking 60 grand's not enough to fund the deposit on a rental property but it could be in some parts of the country okay just be careful about where you choose to invest that's a whole other subject all on its own right so next on the list is gross yield I'm going to talk about gross yield now And this is a figure that investors quite often talk about. So the calculation for gross yield, different people do it differently. But the way that we look at gross yield is that it is literally the gross figure. So to work everything out like that, we take annual rent and we factor in the whole 52 weeks. So um, some investors calculate their gross yield based on 50 weeks of rent. We figure gross yield should be everything okay, so raw figures, so annual rent, weekly rent multiplied by 52, and then divide that by your purchase price, and then convert that to a percentage by multiplying it by 100 divided by one. So in other words, you get the same answer if you go annual rent divided by purchase price, and then find that answer, and then multiply it by 100 to convert it into a percentage. So for example, if you had a rental property that was paying you $600 a week in rent, and your purchase price that you're looking at for that purchase is 600,000, annual rent would be $600 multiplied by 52, which adds up to 31,200. And then you divide that 31,200 by 600 grand, which is the purchase price, which equals 0.052, multiply that by 100 over 1 to convert it to a percentage. So multiply by 100 equals 5.2 as your gross yield for that potential purchase that you were looking at. Net yield is a much more useful calculation and um, the reason that it's more useful is because it gives you as far as after taking into account all of your expenses associated with owning that particular property. So um, here we're looking at annual rent, 52 weeks a year, but then you deduct all of the expenses except for the mortgage payment. Then you divide that answer by the purchase price, and then multiply that answer by 100 to convert it into a percentage. So, for example, that previous calculation that we looked at, annual rent of $31,200. Now, if we looked at the expenses excluding the mortgage that added up to, say, $11,100, which is a combination of $1,500 in rates, $2,000 in insurance, Two weeks vacancy, which at $600 a week rent would be $1,200. Property management fees, which would be $2,496 minus the two weeks vacancy, which is $96, and this is calculated at 8% management fees, then that property management cost would add up to $2,400. If they were body corp, you'd have to take that into account as well. So here we've used in this example $2,000 for body corp fees, and we've budgeted $2,000 a year for repairs and maintenance. So all of those expenses add up to $11,100. So that's all of your expenses, excluding the mortgage. So now the calculation that we do is $31,200, which is your annual rent. Take away all of your expenses except for the mortgage, which is $11,100. And that gives you the answer of $20,100. Now, to convert that figure into a net yield, we divide it by the purchase price, which is $600,000, and that equals 0.335. Now, we multiply that by 100 to convert it into a percentage. So now we come up with the answer of 3.35% net yield. Now, the reason that net yield is important is because what this figure tells you is that as long as your interest rate with the bank is lower than the net yield figure following these calculations, you've got positive pre-tax cash flow, okay? In this example here, especially with today's interest rates, this particular deal would be positive pre-tax cash flow. So now how to work out what the actual cash flow is on a property. The reason that it's important to understand the difference between net yield and gross yield is, for example, in this situation here where we've got body corp. So if you were looking at the gross yield on the previous slide and you were comparing a property that didn't have any body corp or had low low repairs and maintenance, for example, then the net yield on a property with lower expenses is going to be a lot higher than the net yield on a property with less expenses. So it's important to understand the difference between gross yield and net yield and that will really help you speed up your calculations and decisions as to whether or not a particular property is worth while putting an offer in on. Okay, so now we're going to have a look at the pre-tax cash flow calculation, and this one's pretty simple. It's basically your annual rent, so 52 weeks a year, minus all of your expenses for the year, and that will tell you what your pre-tax cash flow position is. So for example, same example that we were using before, annual rent of $31,200, so that's $600 a week. 52 weeks a year, and then now we're looking at the annual expenses, including the mortgage payment, which adds up to 29,100. Okay, so that is a combination of 1,500 in rates, 2,000 insurance, 1,200 for two weeks vacancy. property management fees, which add up to $2,400, and two grand body court, two grand for repairs and maintenance. And if the mortgage was 3% on interest only, assuming 100% lending on the $600,000, then that adds up to a total of $18,000 there. So all of those figures added up comes to the grand total for your annual expenses of $29,100. If you've got annual rent of 31200 deduct your $29,100 in expenses and that tells you that you've got pre-tax positive cash flow of $2,100 per year for owning that property as long as the mortgage interest is 3% on interest only in this example. Okay, so some other important metrics that we need to know and understand as investors, we need to understand what the market value of a property. Is and also when it comes to capitalization rates. So some properties are valued using a calculation called cap rate. The majority of residential property in New Zealand is uh, valued using comparable sales, okay? So it's really important to understand how that all works. We spend a whole training session on this as part of our coaching programme, so I haven't got time to go through all of this in the podcast today. But basically, research what other properties have sold for. In the vicinity of the particular property that you're looking at, we're looking at market value or registered valuation. We're not taking into account government value or rateable value or council values. There's a totally different situation there. It's really important that you understand market rent as well, because obviously when you're calculating your numbers for cash flow and gross yield and net yield, having the ability to have a good estimate for what actual market rent is, is vital. To giving you the best result. Now equity in the deal is another important calculation for investors because we want to know how much money we're making on the day that we buy that property or you know if you're buying it at a discount for example if you're negotiating it below its actual market value that's a discount and by equity in the deal I'm talking about a combination of discount and also value-add potential in that particular property. A return on deposit is another important calculation, especially when you're comparing a couple of different types of investment properties. So let's say, for example, you're interested in two different types. The cash flow could look quite different. One of them might have a bigger discount than the other one. One might have higher capital gain. So return on deposits an important calculation there so that you can work out how quickly you're going to be able to recycle your deposit out of that particular deal. And I think in one of the next um, podcasts I'll, I'll do a podcast about how to recycle your deposit for those of you that might not have been to one of our free events. okay? In our free events I talk about recycling deposits so that you don't have to save for any more house deposits because there's not much fun in saving. Okay, another thing that you need to take into account is your borrowing capacity based on both equity as well as your provable income. And so, you know, there's no such thing as one size fits all when it comes to property investment. It's really important that you take into account what it is that you want to achieve from investing and understand your borrowing capacity so that you can put a good plan in place to work out what your starting position is, where you want to end up and what types of property and whereabouts in New Zealand you're most likely to find those deals to help you reach your long-term goals so that reaches the end of today's podcast so hopefully it gave you a bit of an idea as to the insights of what's required when it comes to purchasing a rental property there is obviously a lot more involved when it comes to purchasing rentals than than there is when you're looking at purchasing a home but it is really important that you understand the numbers or at least that you've got someone on your team of professionals who understands it so they can help you through that process so for more information about what we do feel free to go to our website which is propertyapprentice.co.nz if you've got suggestions for future podcasts that you'd like to hear me talk about um, by all means email us at info at propertyapprentice.co.nz and as I mentioned before if you want to watch the videos that you can see the slides in the background as well then just Google Property Apprentice Podcast or um, search us up on YouTube. You'll find our podcast recordings there as well. Thanks for watching and I'll look forward to sharing information with you in the next podcast.